0: On this episode of the Wellward Way Show, we discuss SI joint or sacroiliac joint and why it's hard for patients to get the care they need for problems in this area. Welcome to the Wellward Way Podcast, where we empower our community by demystifying pain, both physical and emotional, to give you the tools for optimal health. Hi, I'm Dr. James Escaloni, and I'm here with Dr. Chris Etheridge. Hi. And we're going to be talking to you without Dr. Donish today. He's away on sabbatical, but he's going to be joining us again for next week and having a lot of fun with the new topics that he's discovering. But for today, we're talking about the sacroiliac joint. And this is actually a little bit of a controversial area in the area of medicine and physical rehabilitation. So, Why this is, is that there's a lot of information coming from a lot of different schools of thought. And I know that from my education earlier on, the sacroiliac joint was something that moved but didn't cause pain. And if it did, we weren't really sure how to assess that on a person, especially with physical examinations. Well, Dr. Etheridge, when you were going through your, let's say, just medical education, not Mm -hmm. residency, what did they teach you about how the SI joint might be a pain generator?
1: In medical school, there wasn't really any information thrown out there. It was something that was identified, and you, you knew it was there. You knew it was a quote-unquote joint, but nobody really brought up the fact that it could cause so many people so many problems along the way.
0: That's actually pretty similar to my education, too. We were learning how to potentially put our thumbs on different spots of the joint, watch how people were bending and moving to assume that a joint was moving upwards or downwards on one particular direction. But then they didn't tell us what to do about it or how that might present to say that this person has that pain. There was a couple of snippets that a professor might throw in on the side end, oh, by the way, you might see this. But nothing that was really concrete. Right. So how does that contrast with what you learned with residency training? So in residency
1: training, especially coming from a primary care perspective. It was, this can cause people some pain issues. And there were two or three specific exam steps that would point you in that direction. And that's kind of where it stopped. It was like so many other joints. It was, if there's pain here, it's the joint itself. And ultimately you either cover it up with medication until it cools down and gets better on its own, or
0: you fuse it. That sounds like a wonderful set of options there.
1: Yeah, it was it
0: was kind of a no-win situation. Wow. That's uh it's pretty rough especially if you're a patient just hearing this from somebody trained in a similar manner mm. that this is all we've got. And it's really not too different from what also I was taught. With residency I was taught that here's where it can be from. Now here's some tests that you can do to test this out but all you can do is maybe do some exercises to try to stretch the joint out mm-hmm. and and most of the time actually looking back on that that's not a joint you want to stretch out too much right uh, it's it's usually too loose but we'll right. get into that <laughs> a little bit later and so one of the things that really was the the nail in the coffin for me when I was looking at this was I was at a, a large conference, and this was 10 years ago at this point, and Mm -hmm. it was a big international conference with all these brilliant researchers that I really respected, and this one neurosurgeon came up there, and he said, if there's problems in the spine, it's the facet or the disc. It's not the SI joint. It's never the SI joint. It's either the facet or the disc, and especially 10 years ago on my clinical education and how impressionable I was, Mm -hmm. that was huge for me to now think, oh, this person right here, neurosurgeon with decades of experience who's tested all these backs. It has to be the disc or the facet, never the SI joint. So everything I learned in school and residency was completely just thrown out the window because this one particular higher power deemed that it did not produce pain. Right. So I just kind of went along with that.
1: Understandable. Yeah. I think I I would have too. And that's kind of the nature of being in training is you have a tendency to accept what's thrown your way as dogma. It is this way and there is no other way that it can be. So early on, for me, it was the joint. The joint is moving in a way that it shouldn't be, and it's getting arthritic, and that's causing pain, and that is the only cause of pain surrounding that area, and that's why you have these positive exam findings. And if it doesn't do better with a little bit of PT, lock it down. (laughs) And 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 that doesn't cause problems, right? No, not at all. It's (laughs) it's never a problem to take
0: something that moves and make it not
1: move anymore.
0: Oh, especially if the other side has to move twice as much now to make up for one side not moving. Right. It's kind of like me and my brothers cleaning up when I was younger. Right. (laughs) All right. So other things that stood out for me as I went into my fellowship education and teaching is that what I was taught to actually test out with a physical exam for the SI joint involved different tests in which you put a stress to the joint. And when I was looking at the research, it seemed like it was pretty simple. You would just move the joint around a little bit, put a little bit of force behind it, create a shear force, and that was sufficient. But I was fortunate enough to communicate with actually one of the main researchers who produced these physical provocation tests who validated them. and. After looking at how he does that, and this is a very large New Zealand man. He probably played professional rugby, or he could have at least. Right. And when he drops down to actually test out a joint, it's a quite forceful amount of pressure that you're putting through there. Uh, like One of the most sensitive tests we can use is called a thigh thrust. Mm-hmm. where you just hold somebody's leg up and then put your hand underneath their sacrum and, and put pressure down to see if the sacrum moves on your enominate. And if it does and it causes pain, that's positive. But the amount of force that's actually necessary on the variety of humans that are out there Mm -hmm. to create shear force is pretty substantial. And if you're not dropping down for a thigh thrust bouncing off of somebody, Mm -hmm. then that's actually not going to have enough force at the variety of different humans that have an SI joint to actually cause pain and let us know that that's a side of pain. I see. And another element of that is the SI joint's not just some sort of straight line. It's kind of like an Mm S-shaped. And if somebody is not testing it in multiple angles of that, because humans can hurt their SI joint at a variety of angles because we move all over the place, then they're missing that too. And so if that's not happening, then the practitioner is actually not getting a clear understanding of the SI joint could be a source of symptoms. Mm. So that's something for if any of you people out there in the podcast land are listening, especially if you're a clinician, really start to consider that. The thigh thrust test is a, is a big test that needs to be incorporated with a certain degree of force, just preface to the patient. And if you're a patient and your practitioner hasn't even done that and is dismissing the SI joint as a potential source of pain and nobody's been able to figure out where your pain's coming from, you may want to consider adding that as a stronger test. And if you reach out to us, we can give you suggestions on maybe some clinicians in your area that can help you out with that. Now, another thing that you mentioned, Chris, was Dr. Etheridge, his first name's Chris, is uh, (laughs) that uh, the joint, you've mentioned the joint several times, but I think since working at Wellward, and this also goes for me too, learning with Dr. Donish, that the joint is just one part of it, Mm -hmm. but however, the ligaments around it are a big, big part that I personally had been ignoring even after fellowship training right
1: right and that's getting into this field has been a big a big point of learning for me is that it's not just the joint that's just a piece of the puzzle that there are so many supporting structures to every joint that can typically cause problems before the joint itself sees major changes and i think that if you look at it from that perspective then something like an si joint fusion is not going to
0: address the problem at all. <laughs> I, I know that we personally have seen people in here who have SI joint fusions mm-hmm. and that it was supposed to cure their pain, but they had the same pain afterwards. Right. But then we do a simple ligament injection and after you're a few millimeters into the skin, they're like, oh, that's my pain. Mm-hmm. And, and we're practically miles from the joint at that point. Right. And for that to be ignored is an absolute travesty for somebody to have the rest of their life altered because something's fused. Well, it was just a simple ligament having that pain, right? And that's compounded by the fact that you missed the
1: the primary generator of the pain with the fusion. But now, with the fusion, you have other structures that are moving the way they're not supposed to, taking on that extra load, and you're developing new problems without ever fixing the first problem to begin with. Exactly. Uh, and
0: that's it. Just snowballs from there, and it's terrible. It's kind of like that saying that if all you have is a hammer, then everything looks like a nail. That's right. Mm. I think that one thing that was also helpful for me to understand just how often these ligaments are tender is by how I've been doing a lot more ultrasound guided needle placement. Mm. And to see that as I'm seeing this joint that I suspect is the problem, and I'm thinking, okay, if I can just get this needle all the way into that joint, then that's going to be the cause of their pain and I can help them out. Mm-hmm. But I will actually just get to the fascia and just to that really superficial ligament. And just as I see it, the needle just touching that spot, then the patient's just consistently saying, oh, that's, oh my gosh, you're in it. You're in the joint. Right. Or even more so, I've heard, depending on where the ligaments are, oh my gosh, you're in my sciatic nerve. I feel like going down my leg, mm-hmm. but I can clearly see I am nowhere near that mirror. sciatic nerve. And that's another thing for people at home to recognize that some elements of the SI joint, actually some of those ligaments, like the sacrotuberous ligament, you guys mm-hmm. can look that up on Google Images. That's right next to the sciatic nerve, and it can commonly be misinterpreted as sciatica, but it's actually the ligament sends pain down your leg just like the sciatic nerve compression would be. And I think, gosh, that's a daily thing at this point that we're seeing people who are misdiagnosed with that. It really is.
1: I I think um, SI joint injections, quote-unquote, is one of the more common procedures that that I'm doing. And more often than not, I'm seeing the same thing where I'm not even to the joint before somebody is telling me, yep, that's the spot. That's that's right where it hurts. And I think ultimately, a good portion of the time the joint itself is not yet a problem Mm -hmm. for these individuals. And it's just not something that is
0: in my opinion addressed well in standard medicine. Mm -hmm. Now, some things that I think would be helpful for the people listening at home is understanding some of the little traits that uh, might indicate that they actually have this Mm -hmm. and it's not your disc. So if you've got pain that's below your belt line, right at the SI level, if it seems like it's in the, the middle of your butt, but doesn't often go down your legs, If you feel maybe a little bit unstable on uh, one leg, a little bit shaky on one versus the other, but your knee doesn't hurt, your ankles really don't hurt that much, these might be indications that you've got something going on with your sacroiliac. Another thing that might be helpful for you guys at home is if you're over the age of 40, especially if you're over the age of 50, that decreases the likelihood that you have a disc herniation as the source of your pain because your disc starts to dry out as we get a little bit older. And if it's drier, it doesn't move as much. And so that means stress in your spine needs to be taken up someplace else. And the sacroiliac ligaments and joint are a big source of that. And we see that often after something like a procedure in which we're able to get somebody to stand more upright with their spine because their spine had a problem. And now that they can be more upright, then the sacroiliac ligaments have to move more and they have some pain there. Right. Unfortunately, we know exactly what's going on. So it'll be just a quick one-two punch to help those people out.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, another thing is that people are not realizing that if they've had a hip replacement, your hip is your your femoral femoral acetabular joint, technically. Mm -hmm. And so the acetabulum is part of your SI joint. And if you had a major surgery that changed how that joint is moving, then of course the ligaments that attach directly to that joint to move your spine will be affected by that. So if somebody had a hip replacement and it seems like it's going well, but now they're starting to develop some buttock area, belt line pain, something along those lines, then they absolutely need to consider that the SI joint's probably got a sprain to it. Unfortunately, I think that if we catch them earlier on, then that sprain's going to be making it a lot easier for us to address as opposed to if they wait for years and all of a sudden there's some arthritic changes harder to deal with. Absolutely. When it comes to treatments for this what are you starting to see that seems to be helpful for somebody with let's just start with a sprain if it's just the ligaments around the SI joint what are you seeing is helpful so with the standard injections
1: the the numbing itself kind of gives us that immediate gratification of, of relieving the pain but also gives us immediate information of okay this is where the problem area is but you see a lot of benefit just with the stimulation of those tissues with the needle, with the medication, to encourage a response from the body to kind of tighten things up. The best way I can describe it is that your your body already knows there's a problem there because it's hurting, but it's not it's not getting the right signals to do anything about it. It's just letting you know that it hurts. So with direct stimulation, either dry needling is fantastic, but you you throw in a needle with medication behind it and you get a more robust response from the body to do something about it instead of just let you know about it.
0: That's awesome. And so I think that one of the things that patients can start to appreciate is that when we find the pain, we can do something about it, but how they're an active role and how we're being detectives they're playing a very strong active role so that if we've numbed the area we need them to go home and actually do something test this out like if going up and downstairs was a problem if sitting for a while is a problem if every time you try to get out of the car and twist that's a problem right through there go do that go do that right now right and so that it lets us know without a doubt yes this is your pain right here and i love it when patients come back and say yeah i did all those things and it didn't hurt for a couple days Right. Like, ah, oh, fantastic. We know a hundred percent what's going on. And I get a lot of people that are
1: scared of going and doing anything after after any kind of injection think that, well, if it's numb now, then I'm just I'm not gonna feel the pain. I'm I'm risking doing more damage. And what I tell people is that doing your everyday activities that cause you everyday discomfort is not going to be a problem. As long as you are not going home and involving yourself in extreme sports or, or something really hardcore, the risk of doing extra damage just because
0: it feels better and you you don't realize that it's hurting anymore is minimal. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a pretty common thing I hear also, that people are concerned that they're going to damage something. Mm-hmm. Irritate? Yes. Right, almost guaranteed, you know, because they're feeling a little bit better. Right. Because everybody loves to more now they're not hurting. But to actually damage something, you have to jump out of a plane. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which he knows a little bit about. Now, here's something that I try to educate patients about when it comes to the testing that we use. If we do one of our standardized injections, it's not just a huge, heavy dose corticosteroid, and that's it. Mm-hmm. There's some other contents to it that actually can help with not only the diagnostic process, but facilitate healing. Are you right. here to touch on that?
1: Okay, so the the standard mix
0: that we tend to use is low dose of
1: steroid, in addition to some local numbing medicine, and that gives us that immediate feedback and lets us, you know, gives us the information that we need to know that we're in the right spot. Uh, but we also include mannitol or even dextrose in the medication mix as well, and that causes kind of a acute what we call an osmotic injury to the tissues and that's what really stimulates the body to respond to hey there's something happening here we need to send in the troops to to do some repair so injury sounds dangerous can you go on that it, it does sound dangerous it is very it's a very subtle thing injury is a very strong word but at the moment an alternative word escapes me, <laughs> but it, it really just causes such a small change that you're not doing excess damage, but it's enough of a change that your body will send, like I said, the troops to rebuild and repair, however slightly start the process of bolstering those tissues, strengthening them up, kind of tightening things down, whereas beforehand, they may have been a little bit loose and that's what led us to the problem.
0: Now, I've talked to people who've been here, and just to translate what is going on from their perspective, so they can Mm -hmm. understand what's going on in their body, just try to be a good teacher, and I'll teach them that if they had all this great workup, and we've confirmed, this is your SI joint, that first injection, we need the response for what's going on, Mm -hmm. because if they have an injection into that spot, and they're feeling significantly better even weeks later, then they might benefit from just a couple of those injections in that area with physical therapy. Now, if they start to have an injection and they're feeling like 20% better, then we might consider a series to see how much we can get out of that, but it might need a little bit more work. And that also that same thing, if we've got the diagnostics, it's definitely coming from the SI ligaments and joint. We do the injection there, they're clear to the pain, but then they come back feeling baseline or worse afterwards. Mm -hmm. Then all of that is teaching us about the integrity of the tissue and what's going on underneath. And for those cases that they've come back feeling exactly the same after the numbing agent fell off or worse, I've usually told them they need something like an orthobiologic. Right. Now, what have you appreciated from the patients that you've treated with an orthobiologic on like the SI ligaments who've reacted that way?
1: Um, I find that people are having good responses if they're able to be patient. I think the The standard injection with the numbing agents in it gives somebody such immediate relief that they're expecting that same thing just to be longer lasting. And it's really all about education and the idea that that's not how it's intended to work, that we are initiating and stimulating a response from the body. And that response is an ongoing process and it takes time. But at the end of that path is a is a great improvement that is long lasting because we are repairing damage as opposed to
0: just covering it up. I'll try to tell people that if they're getting a prolotherapy shot, then that just lets us know that this is the the type of injury is not too severe, mm-hmm. and a few of those might just do the trick for the SI joint or ligament. Right. But if it seems like it's uh, especially from those first few injections that it definitely hits the spot, that their pain. Keeps on going down to baseline or worse. They need a higher level orthobiologic and platelet-rich plasma is something that often gets recommended. Yes. And the hardest point is exactly like you just uh, described, that somebody is feeling the lidocaine in the system. They're like, This feels amazing. I want to feel like this. We want you to feel like that too. Right. But the PRP that we have to put into there will irritate the tissue because it's surgery without surgery. Mm-hmm. But after about a six-week period, it locks things down. So that's how it can heal but it heals at the rate that hair grows. Right. And you guys in the internet world don't understand this, but we're both bald, so that's a fun joke for (laughs) us. But that's a long time. And so when people can appreciate that the rate of recovery just takes a little bit longer, especially if you're over the age of 40 and you need this, it's going to take a little bit. And that's where Mm -hmm. the physical therapy and other things along those lines can help the recovery process. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, Guys, I hope you appreciated that Wellward is definitely not just a clinic. It's a direction in healthcare, a new one, and hence the name Wellward. Our goal is to optimize your health as well as cure disease. And remember that a minor ache in your SI joint or a pain that goes down the legs that's not sciatica could be the first step down a path towards arthritis or even worse changes. And wouldn't you like to know the tools on how to prevent that? So if you found this helpful, please check out our YouTube page or call our patient care navigator at 859- 275-4878 275-4878 or 275-HURT to help get you scheduled for the care you deserve. And if you have any other questions, feel free to reach out to us either on our social media pages like Facebook, and we'll look into new topics and we'll educate you and we'll look up everything that you need to help you out. So until next time, I'm Dr. Escaloni And I'm Dr. Athridge. And thank you again.